Good morning and welcome to the Draft Nut Podcast. It's Jared Feinberg and Devin Jackson of Blue Chip Scouting, and we are your hosts for today's podcast. Today is it's going to be a shorter podcast as Sam and I are just going to talk about some draft prospects we've watched and rewatched as of late. But before we do so, we need to address what happened yesterday. Um, and be, and before we even do that, uh, let me remind you that this is our podcast and we are allowed to speak our opinions about things other than sports. If you don't like that, well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to make you uncomfortable, um, but these are uncomfortable times and we need to have more conversations about what transpired yesterday and what has transpired in this country as of the last 12 months at least. So here we go. Yesterday, Wednesday, January 6th, we as a country, as a democracy, were under attack by people claiming to be, quote unquote, protesters. These weren't protesters. It was a flat out mob. And quite frankly, it was in plenty of ways domestic terrorism. You can call it whatever you want. But what happened yesterday on Capitol Hill was appalling and disgusting. What Congress in the Capitol building was trying to do Yesterday, all they were trying to do was something called democracy, trying to certify the results of the presidential election. And this presidential election, which our president has said to be fraudulent and false, has those lies have already been proven to be false and whatnot. What these protesters, quote unquote protesters, stormed the Capitol building Tuesday or Tuesday afternoon because of the lies and the fiction that was provoked by the man who is set to be out of the Oval Office on January 20th of this month. A sitting president in what many claim to be the greatest country on earth, spreading lies and hate. Something he has done since he started his presidential campaign in 2016. As I said before, yesterday was disgusting and appalling. But a lot that were, but a lot of people that were on those Capitol steps or excuse me, that is what happened yesterday was the worst our country came to offer, what we are at our worst, and that was us at worst. And that makes me disgusted and ashamed, ashamed. Yesterday was honestly the first time I was truly ashamed of being a citizen in this country. Ashamed. Sure, there were people there just to protest. They didn't want to have to do anything that went down on Capitol Hill. They came down there to protest what they thought was a fraudulent election, and they believed that their president had won. 
that's all they came. Some of those people, that's all they came to do. They didn't join the mob or the domestic terrorists that got onto Capitol Hill. They were just there to protest. And for that, I thank you for, for just protesting, even though I disagree with what you're thinking. It is a disgrace to our democracy and it's a disgrace to the people looking at us from around the world, seeing what had happened yesterday. I pray and I hope that our next president, Joe Biden, brings this country together. All I want, and I think this is all everyone wants, is peace, love, unity and stability in the country we all love so dear. You and I love so dear. But I, again, am ashamed and disgusted by the acts that occurred yesterday, Wednesday, January 6, 2021, on Capitol Hill. That was something I will never forget. That's something all of us will never forget. It was a hit, a very tragically historic moment in U.S. history, a dark day in U.S. history. So, Devin... Do you have anything you would like to say before we get started with the rest of the show? Yeah, I mean, I know I really didn't say too much on what was happening yesterday, but, you know, it it was a lot to take in, you know, considering everything that happened last summer and really over the last couple of years, uh, you know, with Black Lives Matter and, and protesting. You know, a lot of people denounced that and, and said, you know, Basically, you're not allowed to, you know, block streets and whatnot to make your voices heard. But yet we had people there yesterday uh, attacking our capital, uh, attacking our lawmakers. The very people that uh, we're supposed to be depending on to uh, get laws passed and, you know, get the stimulus checks for the COVID-19 and, you know, try and, uh, you know, obviously we, we know it's an, there's an issue with the, the police force. Uh, in, in this country in, in terms of relations. And, you know, we, we've count, we're counting on lawmakers to kind of make change in that as well. So the fact that they were willing to do that and, and attack our lawmakers and, you know, storm a capital, a place that, you know, is what helps run this country, you know, it's just unbelievable. And just watching it all unfold, man, you can't help but feel frustrated because the, these are not the things that were happening when people were protesting over the summer. This is not the type of things people were doing. Sure, there were riots and, um, you know, a lot of chaos, sure, in the, in the streets, but that was out of kind of reaction to what was happening to, to black and brown people across the country. So it, it was just disheartening, man, uh, simply put. And, as disappointed as I am, I'm not really surprised because of how they've been emboldened by, uh, you know, our current sitting president and that will soon be out of office. And the fact that people can't accept the election results and that we're still talking about certifying an election, you know, almost two months after we we've known that. Joe Biden will be the next president and that he won't accept his loss and defeat. It it just continues to send a message to his supporters that they can go and 
do what they did yesterday and basically face no repercussions. I know a woman died um, and, you know, I, I'm sorry to hear that she died. But the fact that that happened yesterday, you know, things could have been a lot worse. And, you know, got to give a shout out to everyone, you know, all the. The, the Secret Service, police, and everyone keeping everyone safe on the lawmaker front, but you know it, it was an attack on on your our own people, you know. So that that is domestic terrorism. Uh, we we can't fail to mention that. So it was disappointing, man. Um, and you know, for those listening, you know, tell us probably in their head to stick to sports. It, it's you got to address this, man, because sports are so much bigger than. Sports, excuse me, sports is not bigger than what's going on in everyday life. So that that's the most important thing here. And we we really got to dig deep as a country and, and, and fix this. This is unacceptable. And, and like you said, it's one of the worst times. But look, we this is something that I feel like has just continued to grow and grow and grow over the last four years. And, and it just escalated yesterday. So. We definitely need Joe Biden to come in and be that leader that we've been missing for the last four years. I'm with you. Um, And to the people that tell us to stick to sports, I'll give you two words. And I think Devin and I would gladly say it to you. I know probably Devin wouldn't really, but I would gladly say this to you. F you. F you. We're not going to stick to sports during a time like this. Screw that. This is more than sports. What happened yesterday was more than sports. Don't tell us to stick to sports. We can speak our opinions. You can too. But don't tell us to stick to sports. Ever. We try our best to keep our timelines clean of political talk. But when stuff like what happened on Capitol Hill happens, we're not going to stick to sports. We're not. What happened over the summer, we're not going to stick to that. We're not going to stick to sports during that time. If that ever happens again, we won't be talking about sports. We'll be discussing what what transpired. It's beyond Ridiculous, beyond disgusting, beyond appalling. I'm ashamed, really. And, you know, I don't care if I lose followers on Twitter or on Instagram or I lose friends, whatnot. They they think what happened yesterday was justified. I don't need them in my lives anymore. I don't need them following my content or whatnot. I don't care. You can leave. You can go follow John Vogel for all I care. I, I I don't care. We won't stick to sports. That's just a fact. During times like this, we will not. End of story. Okay. Now, let's go back to sports. <laughs> let's talk about some dry prospects we've watched. Um and, uh, and Devin, I'll start with you. I know you watched a couple prospects, um, yesterday. Um, you were watching Jordan Davis, I assume, from the Cincinnati game. Um, mm-hmm. 
I want to dive into that game as well so I can watch um, Azizi um, Ojolarie, who I really, really like, um, but then grayed out as I had hoped. But, um, Devin, uh, what do you think of Jordan Davis, and what do you think of the prospects you watched yesterday? So coming into the summer, Jordan Davis was someone that I highlighted like right in August. And, you know, I saw a lot of, you know, other, you know, bigger analysts and, and draft, uh, draft evaluators like Dan Brugler, uh, you know, Dane Brugler, uh, excuse me, and, and others that, you know, talked highly of Jordan Davis. So I took a look at him and he moves so incredibly well. For a six six three hundred and thirty pound nose tackle, uh, there was a clip that I posted last night where he literally chased down Desmond Ritter, you know, laterally, and you know that I think that really describes his game because he doesn't make consistent consistent plays on a down to down basis, and they have a you know nice rotation at Georgia where they basically every couple plays and depending on the down the distance, they'll change up their personnel and kind of put their speed rushers out on the field and take Davis out of the game. But when Davis makes plays, he makes splash plays, you know, and and that was one of the splash plays that I saw, you know, he was able to uh, disengage from uh, the center and basically run flat down the line and, and cut off Desmond Ritter's um, path to, uh, going out of bounds and, and that alone was, is impressive. And that's kind of what his game is, you know, those flashes of, of greatness. And it makes you think, you know, if he can get consistent and if he plays more snaps, because Georgia doesn't play him the entire game, they like rotate him in and out. So they keep their guys fresh. And I don't know if he'll ever be really a, a guy that's down to down, you know, always on the field. I think probably in his first couple of seasons, he'll probably kind of be a rotational guy. So when you kind of keep on the snap count, but the flashes are there. Uh, he, he has like a, a first round talent, but he just doesn't have the production to go along with it, if that makes sense. Right. And especially in this, uh, kind of weak defensive tackle class, if he had the numbers that say like Davion Nixon had, or, you know, even to a certain degree, Marvin Wilson has. Mm-hmm. I think he will be a much higher regarded prospect. But I think because he only has flashes, you know, at least three to four flashes a game where he shows off his athleticism. Um, that's kind of what stays in my mind. So right now, I probably grade him as a, a midday two prospect, probably in a third round only because the production just doesn't match up with the talent. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where I am with him. So I got to watch him, and I saw Aziz Ojolari make plays, especially in the second half, uh, where he completely wrecked the game against Cincinnati. So uh, he, I saw him in passing because I, I knew that he was going to make plays because I, I watched the game live and know and knew what plays he was, he was going to make a splash. But I, I was looking for – you know, Jordan Davis flashes and, and the couple clips I posted of him last night were definitely flashes where the, the first one I posted, he was able to disengage uh, with a guard and uh, basically make a tackle in the backfield, which was what you're looking for in a run stopping defense alignment. And then uh, being able to chase Ritter down the line was was fantastic. So I got to watch him and, and that's kind of my thoughts on him personally. I wouldn't be surprised if he went higher than the third round uh, because he has those flashes of talent. I think 
he's going to test surprisingly well for his size and um, his size and weight. So I, I think he, he's going to be a high, higher regarded prospect and maybe he already is by NFL teams. So I watched him and then I watched the Cincinnati defense as well. Uh, and I watched a couple games and basically I was looking, I was starting off looking for James Wiggins, a safety for Cincinnati. Uh, but he's he's more of a box safety type guy. Uh, he's he's played in some single high looks, but his reaction time is not what you're looking for. And someone that's going to play a deep safety at the next level. So I think he's going to kind of be a tweener guy for uh, an NFL team. Can play in the box, outside of the box, uh, can play in space, but has some issues sometimes in coverage. But my Jay Sanders, man, he is phenomenal. Uh, if, if you haven't watched him yet, you definitely want to watch him. Watch, watch the Memphis game, uh, watch the SMU game, and then watch the Georgia game. And every game he flashed, man. Um, I guess Memphis, there was like a four play sequence that, uh, I highlighted from him. And basically the first one was he was able to squeeze down the tackle, get underneath the pulling guard, make a tackle for loss. So that's, uh, you can see from a technical standpoint, he understands the game and what's coming. And, you know, you can tell he has a high football IQ. You know, he, he studies what team's tendencies are, and he definitely takes advantage of it. Uh, second play, I believe, he's able to hand swipe and get past the tackle with ease. He, he's so smooth bending around the corner uh, and, and able to utilize his quick hands to get to the quarterback. Uh, another play, he's crashing down on, on run play. So if people are kind of worried about his size, he's able to defend the run, um, you know, with with a purpose. You know, he he does a really good job uh, setting the edge. And that's what, exactly what you want out of your edge rusher, you know, being able to come off the edge and get to the quarterback, but also setting the edge. So he does a, a nice job of doing that as well. And then, you know, I, I watched the SMU game. Same story. Uh He's, he he abused the right tackle all game long. He had no chance. And every time he, he killed him with a speed rush, a swim move, spin move. He he has multiple moves in his tank. You know, he's not just a, a one uh, one trick pony, as they say, in terms of being, coming off the edge, which makes him so interesting. Um, so I started off watching Wiggins, ended up watching Sanders, and, and I came away really impressed with Sanders. I think he's probably a round two guy. Uh, and, and someone I would definitely highly regard in, in this edge class. You know, it's, it's been kind of up and down. There's some guys that, you know, have a lot of potential, but have, don't have the production. He has the, the production and potential. And the Cincinnati defense is loaded. You know, they have some good linebackers. Uh, they have a corner, Ahmad Gardner, who I'm really going to like, uh, for 2022. So Cincinnati is, is really talented and, uh, I'm glad I'm glad they got to play Georgia. You know, it was a nice measuring stick and, and showed that a lot of these prospects are legit. So I wish Ahmad Gardner had played in that game against George Pickens would have been a nice matchup. But still excited about Cincy's defense and, and definitely came away impressed with Sanders. What you were telling me about Jordan Davis and like when I was watching um, Aziz um, Ojolari, who um, I watched over the last couple of nights, um, like Davis was really flashing on tape and I was like, so I wrote his name down and like, I hadn't watched him over the summer and, um, you know, like very, has, he does show those flashes. He does show those athletic traits. 
Um, just the production has, hasn't been there because Georgia likes to rotate their guys, have different packages because they're so, they have so much depth, um, across the board on the front seven, um, especially on the front four that whenever they get into certain situations, they'll take all they can do is just rotate in guys and they'll do just as good as the next guy, you know? So that's how Georgia rolls. But, when I was watching Azizio Ojulari, you know, this is a very, very, very fun pass rusher. Super bendy. Um, he has a really good bend, uh, uh, not bend, great blend, blend of, um, like explosive first step, um, being able to lower his center of gravity, um, to, bend, dip, and rip through contact while he's able to turn that corner um, up the arc. Um, he's versatile. He can play with his hand in the dirt and play in the two-point stance. I've seen him drop into coverage. He's had some solid coverage reps as well. Um, he has a nice combination of hand of hand creativity. Um, he does a good job winning quickly with his um, arsenal of moves with his hands. Um, he's shown... Uh, some nice quick arm overs, um, club rips. Um, I've seen a couple swims in there. Um, but there are some concerns with, um, Olajier, um, Ojolari's game. Um, doesn't really do a good job or he, he, he's shown flashes as an edge defender. You know, he, he does, he has shown flashes of him setting the edge, but he, he doesn't do it consistently. He doesn't set a firm edge consistently. And he doesn't really have that plan B of attack when um, his first when his first move is off the table. He's he's just kind of stuck, and sometimes he'll struggle against tackles who get their hands on him first. But overall, um, this is a dude that will probably be the first edge rusher off the board. This is arguably the the best pass rusher in the NFL draft right now unless Jalen Phillips can really do well with his um, medical evaluations at the combine and whatnot. Um, that would be very crucial for him. I think Phillips has a great opportunity to be the first edge off the board. But right now, I think Aziz Ojolari, I think this is the guy that we should make right now the favorite to be the first edge off the board. And he's arguably the top edge rusher in this draft class right now. And I have yet to see the Cincinnati game. Um, and I really, really want to watch that game. And I'm hoping to watch it here um, later today or even tonight. Uh, but, man, th- this is a great football player, a fun football player. He didn't grade out as I was expecting him to. You know, I was expecting him to get maybe a first-round grade uh, of some sort. Um, trying to load up my grades here um, if Google Docs can load. Um you know, here, here we go. Hold on. Uh, da, 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 da. Sometimes I hate when I have too many tabs up and laptop gets all slow. You know, it's the struggle of being a draft analyst, I guess. It's still loading. Yeah, definitely. I I know the feeling because yeah, got too many tabs open, too many tabs, all that research and videos and whatnot. So yep, 
That's me yep. all the time. I use Google Sheets for all my draft stuff, all my grades, all my rankings. Um, and usually I'll uh, create um, either I'll do my mock drafts or I'll even do my big boards or even my positional rankings on um, the draft network. Like just create my own board, um, do my mock drafts on there and whatnot. All right. So Z Ajolarie. He has a, if it can load, he's got a early second round grade for me. Um, the games I've watched of Ojolarie at, at the moment, I watched three games. I watched the Alabama, the Florida, and South Carolina game. Those were some very um, impressive games. Um, the play, the places where he didn't grade out as well were his ability against the run, uh, his run defense. Um, you know, I, I think his hand technique, his, his moves and counters, like that's like, it's there. It's just he doesn't have that secondary counter yet. And that's kind of what brought his grade down a little bit for me. Uh, but but he graded out well in terms of athletic ability, uh, lateral mobility, um, and his get off. You know he has great get off off the line of scrimmage, um, and those are like some of his big traits right now. And as, as it, in order for well, when he's bending the corner, bending ankle flexibility, whatnot, like he grades out very highly in that area for me. So that that's kind of what helped me in terms of like, okay, this is where he's really good at and this is where he can improve. Um, if NFL teams think he can't, well, here's the thing. My grade doesn't show where I think he should go in the first round. You know, I think he could easily be a top 15 selection, but just how I evaluated him, just how I see him as a prospect he got a um, day two grade for me unless uh, I, w- I watched the Cincinnati game and, you know, I'm just blown away and I like boost his um, grade up a little bit. But this is my grade for him right now. Um, just very impressive tape. Needs to be better against the run. In a way, he kind of reminds me of Brian Burns. Just he's not Brian Burns in any sort of way. No way. But like. Like his bend, his um, his lack of ability against the run, um, able to set an edge, s- stuff like that. Like that's something Burns struggled coming out of uh, Forest State. So it's kind of the same thing for Ochilari. Um So yeah, th- that's my current evaluation for Ochilari. I did evaluate Christian Derisaw last night, and man, I am in love with this dude. This is a good. Good boy up front, man. Let me pull up his notes here. This is there we go. Christian Darisol. This is a starting left tackle day one in the NFL, in my opinion. Um, he he will have his moments. Like he's not going to be perfect to start out. Um, he's got good balance, footwork, and pass protection is really fluid. Um, He's got the ideal length you look for in an offensive tackle. 
Um, he has a really good un- understanding of his responsibilities um, and pass protection in the run game. Um, he flashes really good timing with his um, hands, hand placement power. Um, he's got some, he's got adequate, in my opinion, adequate functional strength. I think he could um, add a little bit more to his frame. I think there is still some areas on his frame where he can um, add more. Um, and I think he could do, I think he could add more functional strength. Um, to add more value as um, maybe even a man or power um, scheme blocker um, in terms of if you're going somewhere where a team's going to be running the ball a lot and they need someone to really drive um, defenders back a good 5, 10 yards, something like that. Um, he can get top-heavy at times, and I was like, ooh. Like, in, in some ways, it kind of looked like it was Greg Little for a second. There were... Um, times when edge rushers are able to like soften the edge, uh, when rushing up the arc, um, against Derisaw and he got top heavy a little bit and kind of was starting to chase. Um, there's, there's some times where he's light with his feet against speedy rushers. Um, and some opponents have been able to get into, uh, his framework in the run game. And that's something that he'll, you know, improve over time in the NFL, like, he gets the coaching. He lands in the right spot. Like he can really, he could be a really, really good left tackle in the NFL. People, this is not a guard. Stop with the guard talk. I am sick of it. Stop moving good tackles to guard. I don't get the conversation. I don't get it with Swell. Okay, I get it a little bit with Swell. He's a very, very athletic and very fun and very well moving. Offensive tackle, but don't move these guys to guard. If they are left tackles, if they are tackles, keep them there. I am sick of it. I know you are. Yeah. I am. Um, AJ Schultz of um, Pro Football Network, he has been all over that. Matt, um, Matty V from um, Pro PFN Football. as well. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, the conversation is just ridiculous because I understand. Like some some of the guys, like there are some legit tackles that may move to guard. Like mm-hmm. that that's a very real possibility. But there's no reason some of the top tackles like Darisaw, Slater, uh, you know, there's just so many guys that people like, even I saw Cosme at at one point, Samuel Cosme. I think PFF did that one uh, and said they should move to guard and what? he's drafted by Arizona. Uh, right. Yeah, so it, it's it got out of hand, man. It it got out of hand. I, man, uh, here's the thing. If you're, if you're saying, uh, people, if you're trying to convince others that a really good left tackle or right tackle should be moved to left guard or right guard or even center, you're just trying to get attention at this point, my guy, that, that's not the way to go. That is not the way to go. Keep good tackles at tackle. Don't move them to guard. Unless you absolutely have to, unless you've got a left tackle who's 35 years old, about to retire, and you need someone to develop and get him ready to go for um, the next in, for year two when you're going to be the starter. You can play him at guard then. That's fine. But when you need a starting left tackle or right tackle, you draft a starting left tackle, right tackle. 
I don't give a damn. Start him there. Don't move him to guard, please. I'm sick of it. Ah, oh, all right. Had to get that out of the way. But, you know, Christian Derrissaw, and I was, I DM'd uh, Joe Marino about it. I haven't heard back from him. Um, I was like, dude, brother, this is a great football player. This is someone I'd take in the top 10. I, he didn't get a top 10 grade for me, but like, this is a guy that if someone in the top 10 needs a left tackle, <clears throat> Carolina. Um, if they need a left tackle, um, you know, draft them in the top 10. I'm not saying Carolina should draft a left tackle. They definitely need a quarterback after what we've seen for Bridgewater. We definitely need a quarterback. But just saying, just saying, there's there, there are other paths you can take. There are other paths. Just saying. Um, but anyway, Christian Derrissaw, great player. Jordan, or not Jordan, Devin, I know you got something going on here later on, so I'm going to get this over with real quick. Um, Micah Parsons, um, I rewatched him a little bit last night. Just wanted to see, just want to get a refresher. I know I saw him like, or watched the save about a month ago. Um, but I just want a really quick refresher, um, just to remember what type of player he is. You know, this is the best defensive player in the draft. I think he should be the fourth pick in the draft to the Atlanta Falcons. Um, who desperately need a defensive playmaker on that side of the ball. Someone that can um, both be – that can be a future starting Mike linebacker. They can start out as a Sam or a Will and blitz on third down. Like this is a three-down linebacker who will need to, you know, develop his coverage skills as um, the years go on or as over the next few years. Because he's still new to, to the position. Um, you, you know, 2018, 2019, those were his first two years playing, um, linebacker because he was recruited as, as a running back slash, uh, defensive end. So, you know, he's still learning the position, but this is a phenomenal football player, man. This is a great football player, great instincts. I love him to death. Um, I don't get, you know, like, sure, he, his mental game could be better, but his instincts are incredible, man. Incredible. Um, great athletic ability, incredible range. Um, he does, he has flash cover skills, um, in man coverage, like we saw against Memphis. He uh, made some good plays in man coverage against the running backs, against the tight ends. Um, and, you know, he showed that throughout the season in 2019, but, you know, this is a great football player. He shouldn't be doubted on. This is, the best defensive player in the draft without question. Yeah, he's he's really talented, man. Uh, someone I really got to watch closely uh, last season uh, at Penn State. And, you know, I, even then I saw, you know, him being a, a top five, top ten pick even then because he was just that good, you know. And I don't think nothing will change for me in terms of watching it back. I know exactly what his limitations are. I know some things he needs to work on. Uh, and that's very evident when you watch him. You know, his his weaknesses are evident because a lot of times he was just going off his raw ability. And finally, you know, you could tell towards the end of the season, he was able to start diagnosing plays. He and He was definitely. Uh, yeah. The mental game for him, that that's the biggest thing for him. He just needs continuously more and more reps at linebacker. And the year off probably won't help. Um, so he'll, he'll definitely need some time in camp and there's a chance that they, they may, uh, rotate him early in the season, early in his career to, to kind of, 
you know, accentuate his strengths a little bit more, like coming off the edge and being those third down blitz packages and stuff. So almost like what um, the Cardinals were doing with Isaiah Simmons. We all thought like, why aren't they playing Simmons? He's a great football player. Why aren't they doing that? Simmons was more raw than we really noticed on tape. Like he wasn't as perfect as we saw on tape from last year. Simmons was still kind of raw from a mental aspect. Uh, and now he's a starter for Arizona and he balled down. He's now he's become a really core piece of that defense at the second level. So he's been really impressive um, for Arizona. Sadly, didn't, they didn't make the playoffs after starting off really well. Um, I'll, I'll blame, you can put the blame on whoever for Arizona's, um, blunders there, but, um, Michael Parsons, best defensive player in the draft. Um, and look, for my young draft analysts out there, um, don't be afraid to go back and rewatch tape. You know, it, it helps me a lot to have refreshers. And sometimes it'll be good to have refreshers because you'll see stuff on tape that you didn't see before. And um, it can really help out with your evaluation of a prospect. Uh, you know, for players like Parsons, Swell, um, and Jamar Chase and the players that didn't play last year that uh, it doesn't hurt to look to rewatch them at least two or three times, maybe even four or five times if you really want just to get a really good understanding of them, just to have a refresher whenever you're watching other prospects just to see how they match up. So just a little advice there guys. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you guys have a great day. Hope you guys spread love and joy in the world. I'll see y'all soon. Peace.